Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work, and spirituality. Every month, I will also be featuring a small to medium-sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now, without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening! Hello, my beautiful self-care goddesses. Hope you're doing well and you're doing something for yourself for self-care. And as usual, we're going to start with a quick coherence technique that will help us to relax. It'll help us to check in. It'll really help us also to be really in tune with what I'm about to say so that you can really take in the information. So just relax. And if you're driving, you can do this with your eyes open, of course. If you prefer to be in a more relaxed um, position, you can do that as well. So let's together take a deep inhale through the nose, preferably. And out through the nose, preferably longer than the inhale. So whenever we exhale longer than the inhale, we're actually signaling our parasympathetic system to calm down, to calm us down. So continue this. Inhale, deep inhale, belly breathing, and exhale. Continue it at your own pace and just feel your entire body just relaxing a bit and just being present. Nothing else to think about, nothing else to worry about, just feeling present in the moment by following our inhales and exhales. And as we continue this deep belly breathing, I'd like you to focus your attention in the area of the heart. And if you can, perhaps even putting your hand there. And as we continue heart-focused breathing, I invite you to make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative feeling, a high vibrating feeling such as 
gratitude, appreciation for something or someone in your life. And perhaps even those unnoticed, often unnoticed little things that we're grateful for, such as maybe our morning walks, our afternoon or evening walks with a loved one or a pet. Inhale deeply one more time and exhale. And welcome back. Thank you. That was a quick coherence technique by the HeartMath Institute. So today I'm super excited because we're going to talk about the gut and the gut microbiome and why it's super important for our mental health. So this whole month, we've been talking about the connection between self-care, mental health, but there's also another layer to this, which is the gut microbiome. So if you're feeling stressed, anxious, or depressed, it's very likely your gut has something to do with it. So ever wondered why we use the expressions like follow your gut when we're considering making a decision? Or I literally had butterflies in my stomach when expressing excitement or when you first meet that that guy that you wanted to date for a long time or um, just sort of in love with life. You feel those butterflies in your stomach. When things Also, when things are not going so well, you often hear people say, oh, that makes me sick to my stomach or oh, I feel there's a pit in my stomach. Well, all of these statements that we're actually making with our brain, they all involve our gut microbiome, which is a community of about 100 trillion microbes living in your gut. Some people say they actually outnumber our human cells, but I think it's more one-to-one. So this is what is called the gut-brain axis, which is the communication between your gut and your brain. So how does the gut communicate with the brain? Well, recent research suggests that the connection actually goes both ways. The gut-brain axis is what they call a bio-directional link between the central nervous system and the enteric nervous system of the brain, of the body, sorry. The gut-brain axis is essentially the line of communication. So it's the highway between the gut and the brain. There are now increasing bodies of research that are showing that gut-brain axis is directly the line of communication between the gut, the brain, and our gut health, as well as our overall brain and mood health. There are two other components that connect the brain to the gut and dictate how the gut and the brain effectively communicate. And that is the vagus nerve, not as in Las Vegas, but vagus, V-A-G-U-S nerve and the enteric nervous system. So I'm going to go and talk a little bit more in detail about these two systems that together with the brain, gut brain access allow for this communication to happen. So the vagus nerve is a wandering nerve, uh, a major two-way conduit between your brain and your internal organs, including your gut. The vagus nerve is a sensory nerve and the longest cranial nerve in the body. It starts at the base of the brain and travels down both sides of the neck 
and the heart all throughout the stomach area and into the intestines. So the vagus nerve can be overactive as well as underactive. But the great news is that it can be toned, strengthened, and stimulated similar to any muscle in your body. Some of it's fine. Well, I'm actually going to do a video on this so that I can help you stimulate the vagus nerve because you see how important it is, right? So some of its functions range from helping to regulate heartbeat, speech, sweating, and various other gastrointestinal functions, but more specifically, keeps the larynx open for breathing. That's super important, right? Feeds the lungs and the diaphragm. It slows and regulates the heartbeat, stimulates the secretion of saliva, releases bile, peristalsis, which is the contraction of the bowels, contracts the bladder, sends messages to the brain to produce release oxytocin, which is a feel-good bonding hormone, reduces anxiety and depression, reduces stress and inflammation, and increases immunity and longevity. Wow. There is so many things that this vagus nerve does. It is unbelievable why not many people are talking about it. That's why I'm talking about it here. So you know that my whole aim is to empower, empower and educate you. So I'm bringing in the science and bringing in the research, and then I will follow up with some practical um, things that you can do. So not specifically to the vagus nerve right now, but I will definitely follow up with some stuff um, in later podcast episodes or perhaps even on my YouTube channel. So please, please, please stay tuned and definitely subscribe so that you are on top of this. All right. The second aspect is the enteric nervous system, which is a network of nerves. Okay. So separate from your central nervous system, which is in the brain, right? That operates, but but this enteric nervous system operates completely separate from the brain and calls its own shots. So it's essentially is a brain in the gut. It connects the central nervous system and it contains about 200 to 600 million neurons. They have their own ability to be motor neurons and dictate what the gut does outside of the brain's control. That's why it's often called our second brain. So for example, if your gut recognizes something, it has the ability to operate completely autonomously from the brain and dictate its course of action. This basically means that the gut has the ability to influence its own activity, but also influence the activity of the rest of our body. So the enteric nervous system enables motor neurons to influence the activity of smooth muscle in the gut wall glandular secretion, such as digestive enzymes, mucus, stomach acid, and bile. So you can see the effect that it might have on our digestive system, right? And of course, now we know the connection between the digestive system and the brain. And so then you can see how it's all related. So just worthy to recap here, the the importance of this trifecta of the vagus nerve, the enteric nervous system, and the gut-brain axis is almost entirely dictated what dictating, sorry, what your body does just by what goes in your gut. And so not only what goes in your gut, but the diversity of your gut microbiome. That's where the mighty microbiome comes in. So I wanted to give you a little bit of history or a little bit of set the stage for why 
it's so important to know what our gut microbiome is and does exactly. So there is strong evidence from animal studies that gut microorganisms can activate the vagus nerve and play a critical role in mediating effects on the brain and behavior. These gut microbiomes produce chemical information related to the brain primarily through the vagal nerve, as we spoke about earlier. So bacterial microbes, what are they? Okay. They are essentially everywhere. You have friendly bacteria living all over and in your body, like your skin, your mouth, the vaginal area, and of course, the gut. Our gut microbiome, which consists of trillions of microorganisms, can actually weigh up to six pounds. So, you know, when you hop on that scale, minus six pounds, ladies, because that is actually your microbiome. That makes you feel good, right? <laughs> and I don't look at the scale anyway. I don't think that's a very good measure of uh, of weight anyway. But if so, it makes you feel good, right? And the, the microbiomes, the six pounds of microbiomes are vital to the development of the immune system and various other neural functions. So this bacteria population lives in your intestine and we actually acquire much of it as infants when we pass through the birth canal during delivery. But other factors such as antibiotics, overuse, birth by cesarean section, eating a sad, you know, standard American diet, hormonal birth control methods, little time spent outdoors and actually, you know, um, in the dirt, chemical and pesticide exposure in our food, and of course, stress can all influence bacterial levels. More on how to support the bacterial healthy um, a little bit later in this podcast. So these little guys are astonishing, okay? They are an astonishing variety of life forms and are like any other organ. Actually, sorry, they are actually like another organ in our body, but obviously they're not, right? But they should be considered because they impact our well-being so much that what I'm about to say next is really, really going to freak you out. So first of all, its composition changes with every meal, okay? They break down and absorb nutrients in the food we eat. They communicate with the brain and immune system. They produce sex hormones. They produce waste. They extract calories from food. They control weight gain and fat loss hormones like leptin and ghrelin, okay? They, which uh, leptin tells us when, um, when, we're full. It signals the brain that we're full and ghrelin signals the brain that we're hungry. So it also obviously impacts, this is really freaky, what foods we crave when you're hungry and when you're full, which is those two hormones, right? Remove used hormones from the body, which is super critical for us ladies, especially with estrogen removal. We want to excrete um, the estrogen that we don't need, right? Because we don't want excess estrogen because then that'll cause an imbalance in the hormones, in the hormone levels, and obviously cause um, more serious problems down the road, such as um, breast cancer, right? So it actually excretes that. So levels don't get too high and manages inflammation or these microbiomes manage inflammation. And the most relative to mental health is that the gut microbiome produces some of the brain's chemical messengers, including including 90% of serotonin, 
right? Serotonin is that happy hormone that makes you feel good. So in a 2011 experiment, the research found that healthy mice who consume a specific probiotic displayed more relaxed behavior than mice who did not consume the bacteria. And the probiotic is basically um, feeding the good bacteria, okay? So they feed, it's food for our bacteria. And the probiotic bacteria called Lactobacillus raminos contains rhamnosus. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's Latin, um, contains a neural transmitter called GABA that helps regulate brain activity and calm anxiety. So based on the reactions of the mice that consumed this particular lactobacillus bacteria, the researchers concluded the bacteria were affecting their brain chemistry. Other chemical messengers produced in the gut microbiome are acetylcholine, noradrenaline, and dopamine, okay? And these are all hormones that control mood and anxiety, okay? So multiple studies have demonstrated that people with depression and anxiety have a different microbiome. So more on this for sure. And I definitely want to give you more practical. So I love the science and the research, but I definitely want to give you more practical, like a, um, a grocery list of foods and the top foods to help with mental health, but just so that there is a diversity in uh, foods that uh, help feed the microbiome. Okay. So the key here is definitely diversity. Okay. So, um, so this study showed that different microbiomes, um, the people that were depressed and had anxiety had actually different microbiome than those without the condition. And so this is awesome, right? This is promising research that supplementing with certain probiotics reduce feelings of depression and anxiety. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be supplementation. Why? Because it can get expensive. And if you're already taking supplements, it's like another supplement to add to your um, to your supplement um, regime. So I also, I always, being a nutritionist, also recommend using it, getting it from food. So I will definitely talk a little bit more about that, but fermented foods, basically. Spoiler alert, that's what it is. Okay. So research shows that altering bacteria in the gut through specific diets, okay, may also help to treat stress-related and neural development disorders, including, get this, autism and hyperactivity. Yes, you can change the composition of your gut bacteria by simply feeding the good guys and starving the bad guys, right? Because there's good, good bacteria in living in our gut and then there's the bad bacteria living in our gut. And certain foods will feed the good bacteria and certain things that we do will actually feed the bad bacteria or allow them to replicate. So... Show your gut who's the boss by supporting your gut microbiome. So how can we support the gut microbiome? This is the million dollar question for this episode. All right. So according to Ted Dinan and John Cryan, which I have their book um, right here, leading researchers in the field, okay, they coined a new word to name the, micro, the microbes that can improve your mood specifically for mood, right? They named these micro, microbes psychobiotics. How cool is that? 
also having to do with the mind. These microbes are major players in the gut-brain access. So below, um, I'm going to share with you a number of ways we can engage into helping you support psychobiotics and of course your mental health. So number one, reduce, remove inflammation. So inflammation is the number one cause of death for chronic degenerative conditions. Okay. And inflammation in the gut is also what the research is showing us inflammation in the brain. So chronic inflammation produces stress hormones indefinitely, leading to a surprising number of mental issues. Reducing or eliminating sources of inflammation, such as refined sugar, there it is again, that white devil, refined sugar, refined wheats, ultra processed foods, because they are wide, devoid of fiber. And fiber is what we can, some of the fiber we can digest our good bacteria or the microbiome or microbes. These are all sort of words used synonymously to state microbiome, basically that good bacteria in our, um, in our gut. So the, if these foods don't have fiber, they're not feeding the good bacteria and they're actually allowing, and if we don't feed the, the good bacteria, what happens is they don't, they can't replicate, they can't grow. And so the bad bacteria will actually outnumber the good bacteria and cause something um, caused, sorry, something called dysbiosis in the gut. So you have a dysbiosis, which means you have the bad bacteria that are outnumbering the good bacteria. And then that good bacteria can't do all of those amazing things that I mentioned earlier, right? So super important to avoid the white devils, right? The sugar, the refined wheat, the artificial sweeteners and et cetera. Bad oils is another one. So all of the vegetable and seed oils, um, because they're super, super processed. Managing blood sugar is another way to reduce and remove inflammation, okay? And you can manage blood sugar through these ways as well. So it's kind of like if you get rid of that sugar, um, the refined sugar and the refined wheat and the ultra processed food, you are like 80% there, right? Because then there's the lifestyle uh, things that come into play as well, which is that lack of quality sleep and the movement, the sunshine, right? Because of vitamin deficiency, especially vitamin D. So getting out in the outdoors is super important. And I'll talk a little bit about the lifestyle habits that you can do uh, in, a, in a bit. Um, overeating due to emotional eating. So really looking after that mindfulness eating aspect of it. Um, but again, that could be happening because of the lack of diversity in your microbiome biome as well, right? And then lack of physical activity. So it's very similar. Like the more research I do into how to better our lives when it comes to mental health, overall health, a lot of the fundamentals are, are the same. And this is why reducing and removing inflammation by doing these are very similar to other aspects of health and well-being, right? Which is that movement, that the quality of sleep, the mindfulness. And it's interesting. And this is why I came out with the Savoia Self-Care Method Six Pillars, because it's just, there are these 
I don't know if you guys remember watching uh, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I might be um, dating myself here. And basically, you know how they always gave you the same letters to solve the, the puzzle at the end? And I just feel like these the, my six pillars of health are those fundamental letters that are always given to you during the Wheel of Fortune um, episode because they're standard, they're fundamental, and they're in every single phrase, um, going back to the analogy. But going back to my what, why I did it is because they're super fundamental to health and well-being. And they have to be there. It's, it's almost like building a house. It needs to be there in order for the structure to hold and to be and to, so that you can build on it. So you can start doing other things um, and really taking your health to the next level. All right. So eating foods that help to boost glutathione. So that's super, super important as well as a way to reduce and remove inflammation. And glutathione is a super, probably one of the best molecules and one of my favorite, and it's a super antioxidant basically. Right. So, um, and you can do that. You can boost glutathione. And again, I always want to go with the foods first and then take it um, exogenously as a supplement, but it's really, really hard to absorb. You can actually go and take some IV of glutathione, but they don't really last too long in the body because the body just kind of uses it up. So really the best way is uh, to maintain it steady is to eat cruciferous vegetables. So those vegetables that are in the cabbage family. And if you do have low thyroid issues, then obviously this is not um, recommended to eat them raw. You can eat them uh, lightly steamed. So these veggies contain um, some amazing compounds, okay, that actually activate pathways that increase antioxidant production and enhance our ability to detoxify and reduce inflammations, right? In our body. So sprouts are even better and more nutrient dense. I am super excited to be growing my own sprouts and I'll put some videos up so that you can see what that's all about because it's crazy. It's like, did you know that one eighth cup of broccoli sprouts equals one cup of, of broccoli? That's crazy. So eating uh, sprouts um, of these cruciferous vegetables is even more recommended. So number two, eat fiber-rich foods. Okay. So just like us, bacteria require food to survive, right? Some of their favorite food is fiber, actually a lot of fiber. So when we when the fiber is broken down uh, by the bacteria in our gut, it, it feeds them and it allows them to grow. So in the large intestines, the microbiome consumes fiber that converts to short chain fatty acids. Super cool. I love the science, the biochemistry of it, which plays a critical role in our overall health. So whenever uh, possible, opt for whole grain versus refined, okay? Because the actual fiber is in the whole grain. When they remove the grain, the whole grain, and they, there's no fiber and then they end up adding it. So I'm not sure why they remove it and then they add it. Super crazy. Not sure why. So some fiber rich foods, and I'm going to create an, an infograph, for, an infograph for our visual learners here are fermented foods that I was talking about briefly before. So these are called probiotics, right? Which are, can be sauerkraut, yogurt, uh, kefir, 
kombucha, kimchi, and my favorite, pickles. Yay. Vegetables and fruits contain fiber. Obviously, the most uh, vegetables and fruits that are the highest in fiber, asparagus, onions, garlic, my favorite, artichokes, leeks, chicory, endive, the cabbage family here comes up again, lentils, lima beans, or lima beans, flax seeds, beets, fennel root, broccoli, apples, oranges, and bananas. So wherever possible, I know you're going to think like, ugh, that's disgusting. Eating the skins is even more recommended because that's a high fiber source. Um, when it comes to whole grains, it's quinoa, brown rice, and bulgur. So I always try my best to eat gluten-free. Um, I'm definitely intolerant to gluten and I see the physical and the uh, mental effects as well. Like my brain fog comes back and I just, I just don't feel, I feel bloated. Um, interestingly, when I'm in Italy, I don't feel it as much just because of the way they process wheat and how it's done here in North America is totally different, but I do encourage you to either test yourself. So see how you feel when you eat gluten, but as well as actually get tested because there's also some research out there saying that the gluten does contain an enzyme that affects the conversion of certain neurochemicals, which obviously leads to mental fog. So I'm not saying everybody should be going gluten-free. I think that's why personalized nutrition is super important, but testing is super important as well. So I think that's super um, helpful for you to to, to guess, um, not to guess, but to test. Don't guess, test. And also, I think worthy of mention here is that oftentimes when we go gluten-free, we end up eating ultra processed foods because we're gluten-free. And so please, please, please check the labels and make sure what is in your the gluten-free item that you're that you're eating. Okay. And I am going to do something on label reading because I think that's super important and it's helped me so much. I mean, I'm at the natural food store for hours and some people hate going shopping with me just because I'm literally reading every single ingredient, but it's super helpful and it really does make a difference when you know what's in it and, and to avoid it. Right. All right. Third, recommendation, eat healthy fats. So our brain is made up primarily of fat. Yep. Believe it or not. Yes, it is. So it makes sense to eat healthy fats like olive oil, avocados, nuts and seeds, coconut oil, ghee, and the oils, um, and the oils that naturally occurring in fatty fish, such as the salmon, right? That's why salmon is super, super good for you. However, I highly recommend eating um, wild caught salmon whenever possible because the farmed salmon is disgusting. And even in terms of how they grow it, and it's usually in a horrible condition, as well as pumped with antibiotics and pesticides in order to kill whatever's growing there. So anyway, so please, 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 um, wild caught, please. <laughs> okay. So the oils naturally occurring in the fish um, are naturally anti-inflammatory and they promote natural production 
of serotonin. Isn't that amazing, right? So these healthy fats also have high amounts of antioxidants that protect your cells from oxidative stress and are essential for brain health and development. So number four, eat enough protein. Remember, good quality protein, right? Protein is broken down by the body into what we call amino acids, which are the building blocks of neurotransmitters. Tryptophan found abundantly abundantly in Turkey. That's why you get that turkey coma toast after Thanksgiving dinner. Converts to serotonin, that real, real nice, feel-good feeling. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that functions as a mood regulator and also plays a role in digestion and sleep. So oftentimes women don't consume, and I'm guilty of this too, enough protein. And therefore, especially being vegetarian, it's it's a little challenging for sure, right? So that's, I'm pescatarian, I guess, because I do eat fish. So it's a little challenging um, to eat, to get enough protein. That's why I do supplement every now and then with protein shakes and because um, it's so important, right? So if you don't consume enough protein, you're not supporting the building blocks for healthy brain development to help control mood and reduce the production of stress hormones. This is interesting. So I think I I read this from um, Dr. Axe. He recommends consuming mushrooms, specifically the shiitake mushroom, which contains plenty of vitamin B6, which impacts the production of serotonin and other neurotransmitters, helping with mood and reducing stress. So vitamin B6 is a cofactor in a lot, a lot of uh, processes in that have to do with mood and mood regularity. So that's why it's super important to make sure that you're eating enough foods with vitamin Bs in general, but particularly vitamin B6. And my last, sorry, not my last, but my favorite is intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting, so refraining from eating may seem counterintuitive, right? But the research is clear that it can help reduce inflammation, maintain weight, increase neurochemical production, and so much more. Um, Your body undergoes a cellular repair or cellular self-eating process where six cells actually kill themselves off and are reabsorbed by your body called when a process called autophagy or autophagy, whoever you like to to say it. And this happens, this actually heightens and can happen during fasting. So, which is something, so autophagy is something that a Nobel Prize winning winner, Yoshinori Osumi in 2016 discovered and won a Nobel Prize for. So autophagy or autophagy is a natural repair mechanism that kicks in when cells are starved of food. It promotes cellular repair and detoxification, creating new healthy cells and and it's super anti-aging, immune boosting effects, and even cancer prevention. So super cool to be fasting and to be actually engaging in this process of autophagy. And that, um, and I'm going to definitely go into a little bit more detail about fasting because it's intermittent fasting, but it's um, that really kicks in after 17, 18 hour fasts. 
but I don't advise you to go into a 17, 18 hour fast right away. I definitely advise you to do it slowly and um, slowly, but steadily. So maybe alternate days, you can start by pushing your breakfast by 30 minutes. And then if you feel good, another 30 minutes and another 30 minutes, alternate day fasting, especially for women. And for women, I highly, highly recommend not fasting the week before your period because we want to build be building hormones because our hormones are very low at that time, especially our progesterone. And our progesterone is involved in our in, in mood as well. So super important not to be fasting the week before the period, your period. And also the autophagy fast, you want to get to one meal a day, basically. So, but you want to build slowly with that. And there is different hacks on how to do that. So please follow me because fasting is a passion of mine. And so I will definitely be sharing some more tips on how to do that. But fasting is a way to help the gut microbiome through autophagy, as well as fasting so research is showing that fasting increases a levels of, okay, let me see if I can say this, acromancia, acromancia, which is a microbe known to encourage your gut to produce more mucus, providing greater protection from pathogens, right? So this specific uh, microbe is associated with a healthy gut and improved insulin sensitivity, as well as increases levels of the lactose species of psycho, with psychobiotic um, properties. So super, super cool that fasting actually allows and encourages the production of this particular microbiome, um, sorry, microbe. So cool. Um, so just to sum up, uh, sum up the fasting benefits of for gut health is that it increases intestinal stem cells, which is what the autophagy is all about. It heals the intestinal lining, which is amazing, right? Considering that we have all these toxins that enter our, our gut because of, you know, how much pesticides and glyphosate is in the, is in our food and in the food system. It increase, it increases gut microbiome and diversity because that's key. So there's other research actually out there showing that low fiber intake um, equals low diversity, right? So we want to increase that diversity in our gut and we can do that by fasting. How cool is that, right? Decreases in, uh, in, in anxiety and mood disorder. So they found that fasting does that. And I've been fasting for about now five years. I've been doing intermittent fasting, amazing results, amazing results. I'm really enjoying it. It is, you know, I kind of see some really like crazy benefits that people are like, are you kidding me? Uh, but I mean, like you don't have to worry about food as much. I'm eating two meals a day, um, sometimes one meal a day. So there goes all that prepping um, for food, even in terms of money as well, economically too. Right. But in terms like aside from that, that I don't think a lot of people speak about because I do enjoy eating. I do enjoy food. I do enjoy having dinner with family and friends and I do enjoy making food as well and cooking. Um, but yeah, fasting gives you a little bit of a break from that. But um, for me, the biggest one I saw was just the brain fog, the mental clarity. Like I love creating content and creating videos and just making videos in a fasted state. And when I used to go to the gym, because they're still closed, 
Um, okay, I know. <laughs> I used to love fasting, uh, working out on a fasted state. It was incredible. So it took some getting used to for sure. That's why I say, please do it slowly, but um, steady. But the effects were amazing. And I've seen my way. I was able to manage my weight. I, I didn't have the pot belly. I was able, because, you know, it really helps with, with stress, controlling stress as well. And so physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and once I did, and I really should um, document this. Once I did a 36 hour fast. And now again, I am not recommending you jump right into this. please contact your healthcare provider or um, or work with a nutritionist to help you with that. It obviously is um, an expert with fasting like me <laughs> to help you go through this because you can't just jump right into these crazy long fasts. But the 36 hour fast, I actually had a very spiritual experience. And so I could just imagine a longer and even longer fast. So super, super cool effects. And I highly recommend you try even the intermittent every other day, just um, delay your breakfast 30 minutes and see what happens. And please do reach out and let me know what does happen. All right. Number seven, lucky seven. So these are all the supporting lifestyle habits that I recommend. Drinking plenty of good quality filtered water, stress reduction techniques such as mindfulness or meditation. So you can check out my YouTube video for some of those. Daily joyful movements. So modulate dopamine, serotonin, and noradrenaline. Um, time outdoors in nature and sunlight. There's actually direct relation between sunlight and serotonin levels. So sunlight triggers its production. Okay. So super important, important contact with loved ones releases powerful feel good oxytocin gardening. Okay. So gardening checks off a couple of boxes like movement, being out in nature and the micro microbes from the dirt that get onto your skin. So please don't garden without gloves, with, with gloves, garden without gloves, right? Even just for a little bit. And it like, I find that it takes forever for the dirt to get out from under my nails, but I know that it's doing wonders for my microbes or my microbiome. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm really, really engaging uh, with the, with the dirt optimizing deep and restorative sleep. Here it is again. So sleep compromises our empathy. Think about it, right? When you don't have good quality sleep, you're cranky and you have no patience, right? It also compromises our compassion and it's directly related to the quality of our decision-making. So it allows us to access the prefrontal cortex that nurtures that empathetic activity. So for good mental health, make sure you're optimizing and sleep and you're getting that restorative sleep. So activating the vagus nerve, you can activate the vagus nerve with essential oils, gargling, gagging. And I don't mean like just gagging. If you use a tongue scraper, you can actually... Um, make yourself gag that way, singing and humming. So those are my favorite ways of activating the vagus nerve. Because remember, we said we can we can actually stimulate it and tone it and strengthen it, right? So that it, there's better 
communication. It increases the effectiveness of the communication between the gut and the brain. And we want that, right? And last but not least, reduce toxic exposure in the foods, your home, personal care products. Ladies, our makeup is full of toxins. So please, please, please swap it for a cleaner product. Um, Okay. So Bring the body back to balance, just to wrap up, ladies, and allow yourself to heal by removing the interference, like the stress, the toxins, the, the, the nutrient deficiencies, okay? When the body is in alignment, it can heal itself. And I always, always say this, right? So support your body's innate intelligence by avoiding or minimizing processed foods, devoid of fiber, as I mentioned earlier refined sugar and also alcohol. And you're like, no, but alcohol wine has resveratrol and it's great for you. I, I, I love wine and I do like my, my Apatol spritz as well. And a few other drinks, especially on a beautiful summer day on a patio, like, ah, it's so beautiful. But I re- I'm really trying to limit as much as possible because what happens is our liver will, will actually prefer to break down, it'll give preference to breaking down the alcohol versus other things like the excess estrogen that could be in our bodies, right? So I'm really, really trying to limit um, the amount of alcohol that I drink. But now more than ever, we need to do this. Why? Because alcohol in excess, okay? It can actually diminish the health and diversity of your microbiome and suppress psychobiotics. So there's another reason why we should be limiting our alcohol consumption. I know, I'm sorry for the bad news, but um, yeah, ladies, we we just need to, you know, take the bull by, by its horn and maybe perhaps be a lot more selective of when we drink um, alcohol and avoid drinking it in excess. So avoid also emulsifiers, which are like the diplomats of the food world, right? They bring together oil and water, getting them to work together, right? And that's why, again, reading labels is super important because the two most common ones are what they call carb, carboxymethylcellulose, which is CMC, and polysorbate 80. So anything with a number and an ingredient, I try to avoid that particular product because it's synthetically made, right? Somewhere in a lab. So it's usually P80, okay? That's the polysorbate 80. They have been shown to negatively affect both the thickness of your gut mucus and the diversity of your microbiome, which can lead to leaky gut. So avoid these at, uh, as much as possible. Also avoid overhand sanitizing, okay? Because they strip away not only the bad bacteria, but also the good bacteria, right? So avoid relying on antibiotics, right? So avoid the, the, the overuse of these antibiotics because they also create dysbiosis. So more of the bad guys um, uh, outgrow or outnumber the good guys, right? And just to sort of summarize, it's super important and recommended to eat the rainbow, right? Eat a diversity of nutrient-dense whole foods to improve the diversity of your microbiome. Our mighty microbiome may outnumber our human cells, but we can surely outsmart them, right? 
So for good health, including mental health, the food you eat needs to be good for you and for your gut microbiome. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of our mighty microbiome and the gut-brain connection and specific foods that you can focus on eating as well as specific lifestyle habits because they all are all important in supporting the diversity of our microbiome. So once again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing part of your day with me today. And I hope this was helpful. And if it was, please do share. And I will be following up with some infographs and some sort of synthesizing all of this information into more smaller bites so that you can share with family and friends and take it on board as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and attention. And I want to wish you a great rest of the day. Ciao for now, ladies. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian Seamoss. Check them out and get some awesome Seamoss at www.stlucianseamoss.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.